Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now and help us not to turn from your law, despite the mocking of others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we continue our series in the book of Matthew and we've been studying the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the man who came just before Christ's ministry here on earth and he called people to repentance, to turn from their sins to God. And we saw that in verses 1 and 2 where in verse 2 it says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But he didn't just warn people generally, he also warned specific people as we see in the verses that we'll be looking at today, and that is verses 7 through to verse 10. If you've got a church Bible, I encourage you to have it open before you to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7, where we see that he speaks to a particular group of people. Verse 7 we read, But when he, that's John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptising, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? He warns these people in particular. Who are these people? The Pharisees and the Sadducees? Well, they are particular religious leaders in Israel at that time. They're two groups and they had uh, different ways of approaching God's law, but they were religious teachers. And John the Baptist is warning them specifically. What does he warn them specifically about? What's the great danger for religious people that are coming to John the Baptist? Well, the first, one of the first things that we see that he warns them about is trusting in their ancestry, trusting in their ancestry. What are the religious leaders trusting in? Well, we can imply what they're trusting in by the way that John warns them in verse 9. He says, And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. What were they trusting in? Well, they were trusting in the fact that they are descendants from Abraham. Who is Abraham? He is that great man of God in the Old Testament, the one who walked with the Lord, the one who God made the great promises to, that he would bless him and his descendants. And so they're trusting in the fact that if we are descended from Abraham, if we are Israelites, then we are naturally God's people. And we are right with God and God will bless us because we are descended from Abraham. We are automatically the people of God, and therefore we are automatically safe as God's people. But what's another danger that John the Baptist warns them about? Well, he warns them not to trust in a profession of repentance. And we see this in verse 8. Verse 8, he says, "...produce fruit in keeping with repentance." Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And he says something similar in verse 10. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What's another danger for religious people, including religious leaders like the Pharisees and the Sadducees? That they profess repentance. They say that they repent of their sin, but they do not produce fruit in keeping with repentance. They do not show a change of heart. They say a sorry but you can tell they don't really mean it. Like when children will say to their parents, I'm sorry, Dad. And you can tell that it's not a genuine sorry because there's no fruit in keeping with that repentance. There's no sorrow that's shown and there's no change in the behaviour of the person. There's no fruit from that sorrow that's been professed that they have. And that's a danger for religious people, that they can trust in their ancestry, that they're related to someone who is a person of God, and that they can trust in a quick sorry, I'm sorry for my sins, 
and a quick profession of repentance. And what do religious people then need to hear? They need to hear that they need to repent, genuinely repent, and produce fruit then in keeping with repentance. And that's what John the Baptist says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We see that there in verse 8. Why? What's the danger if they don't produce fruit in keeping with repentance? What's the danger of trusting in your religious heritage, of who you might be connected to who is a person of God, or your profession of repentance? Well, John the Baptist says that such people who trust in their ancestry, who trust in their profession of repentance, will be destroyed. How will they be destroyed? Well, we read in verse, uh, verse 10. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. How will they be destroyed? Well, it's by the axe man. An axe man is coming with his axe. Who is that axe man? Well, it's God himself. He is the great judge of all the earth. And how will he destroy people? Well, it's with the fire of hell. We read there in verse 10, Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And when will this happen? Well, John the Baptist warns his religious people that it will be soon for them that this will happen. How soon? Well, he says in verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It's like this marking of the tree. The axe is there at the bottom of the tree, ready to be taken up and cut away at the root of that tree that is not producing good fruit. It's ready to be cut down. It's kind of like today where you can see sometimes trees that are near roads and they, they spray paint an X on them. And you know what's going to happen to that tree soon. It's going to be cut down. That they mark that tree as a tree that is in the way in some way in our little council suburb. It's doing something that it shouldn't be doing and it's going to be cut down as a result. And this is not a new warning. This is a warning that has been coming over the centuries to the Israelite people. We see it back there in Isaiah chapter 5 where the Lord talks about his people as a vineyard and not producing fruit and only producing wickedness, bad fruit. And so he will destroy them. And it will be a complete destruction. We see here that it says that in verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees. If you cut a tree at its root, it's not coming back. If you cut a tree off at the stump level, then a tree can sprout back up again. But if you cut it at the root, there's no hope for that tree. It's really gone. There's no stump for it to regrow. And so this is a complete destruction that is coming to those who do not produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So what is this good fruit that they're supposed to produce in keeping with repentance? Well, one of the obvious ways that we can understand what fruit the Lord desires from us is the fruit of the Spirit, which is spoken of in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, where Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that the Lord is looking for that are produced by the Holy Spirit within us. And the law is summed up in with two commands, the Lord Jesus tells us, by love God and love your neighbour. If you love God and love your neighbour, then you're producing the fruit that is in keeping with repentance. And John the Baptist even gives examples. In the other account of him, in Luke's Gospel, turn with me to Luke chapter 3, and we see there that he actually gives specific ways that people can produce fruit. 
how they can love their neighbour as themselves. Turn with me to page 1016, page 1016, Luke chapter 3, and we read in verse 9, the same words that we read in Matthew's Gospel, Luke 3, verse 9, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then we read some extra material that's not contained in Matthew's Gospel, but Luke records for us. Verse 10, it says, what should we do then, the crowd asked. They hear that they're supposed to produce fruit in keeping with repentance and say, what should we do? And John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. There's a way that you can produce fruit by being generous and kind to those around you. And verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Verse 13, don't collect any more than you are required to. Don't steal from those that you're taxing. And verse 14, then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Here we have three examples as to how you can produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You can be generous to those who are in need and you don't take what doesn't belong to you. If you're a tax collector and if you're a soldier, you don't take what doesn't belong to you and you don't accuse people falsely. And so there's some examples of fruit in keeping with repentance. So what saves us from the axe man? What saves us then from the axe man, from God's judgment, from being burned in hell? Is it keeping the law and producing fruit? Is that what saves us? No, the Bible is clear that no one can be saved by observing the law. So what saves us from the axe man? Well, it's repentance. It's repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the churches in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15, he says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law. We're not right with God by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If you observe the law, love God, love your neighbour, Paul says you will not be justified before God. Why? Because we cannot keep the law. What does save us then? Is Paul contradicting John here? John has told people to produce fruit in order to avoid the axemen, in order to avoid the fire. Is John contradicting Paul or Paul contradicting John? No, John told everybody to repent. That it's by repentance that they will be saved, that they're meant to turn away from sin towards God. So why does John then say produce fruit in keeping with repentance? Well, what's he teaching us? He's teaching us that true repentance, the repentance that saves, is the one that produces fruit, that produces fruit. If we truly repent of our sins, then we start showing it by the way that we live, which then shows we're justified before God. Just as I said with that illustration with the child, you can tell when a child is truly repentant by the way that they've reformed their ways, by the way that they're behaving. And it's the same with us. If we want to have true repentance, then we need to show it by the way that we live. We need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And this is what James teaches us in his epistle in James chapter 2, verse 14. Turn with me now to page 1197, where we see what is being taught by John the Baptist was also taught by the brother of our Lord, James, 
so clearly for us that we're justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. It always has good deeds with it. James chapter 2, verse 14, page 1,197. James chapter 2, verse 14, where James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And where you see faith there or belief, you can put the word repentance there because faith and repentance always go together. And if you have repentance without deeds, it's a dead repentance. It's a quick sorry. It's a profession of sorrow, a profession of repentance, if it is simply without deeds. And so what must the religious leaders do to avoid the axe man, to avoid the fire, to escape the fire? Well, they must possess saving repentance. And what's saving repentance then? It's that fruitful repentance that produces the fruit of the Spirit and love for God and love for neighbour. And this warning from John the Baptist is helpful for us. Why? Because most of us in this room profess some sort of connection to God. Like what? Well, there's some heritage connection for many of us in this room. Like what? Well, having a Christian family. That you may have had parents or grandparents who were people of God. They were people who worshipped God and were clearly God's people. Some of us may feel like we're connected to God simply by being in a Christian nation. I'm not sure how much you can call Australia a Christian nation, but many people do. And they say we're naturally Christian because of the fact that we were born here in Australia. Or it may be that your connection to God is simply by being part of this church in some way, whether officially as a member or by regular attendance. And so you feel that you're part of the people of God because you're here every Sunday morning. And what's another way that we can profess a connection to God? Well, it's by professing some sort of repentance. Most of the people in this room have said, I repent to God in some shape or form. But what does John warn us in this room? He warns us that only those producing fruit in keeping with repentance will be saved from the axe and saved from the fire. So we must all ask ourselves in this room, including religious leaders, including myself as a religious leader, Am I producing fruit in keeping with repentance? 
And if not, if I look at my life and I do not see love for God and I do not see love for my neighbour, if I do not see the fruit of the Spirit displayed in my life, then why is that? Is it because you don't believe the Word of God, that we must produce fruit worthy of repentance in keeping with repentance? Is it because you don't believe that the axe is already at the root of the tree and that nourishment one day will be cut and there will be no hope? Do you lack fruit because you don't believe there's actually a fire? That there's a hell for all those who are cut down as unfruitful trees? Is it that you do not believe the warning from Isaiah? You do not believe the warnings from John the Baptist so many years ago? But even if we do believe in the danger of the axeman, you may say, yes, I believe that God is judge. And that he will judge me one day, either when Christ returns or when I die. And that there is a hell. It's not enough to flee from the wrath of God. To flee from the axeman and hell. Fleeing itself will not produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When there's a bushfire, what flees from the bushfire? Everything flees from the bushfire. The koalas flee, the kangaroos flee, the snakes also flee. From the bushfire. They are scared of the fire that is to come. And we see that John the Baptist even says this in Matthew chapter 3. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 3. If you're still in James, Matthew chapter 3. How does John the Baptist speak to these Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious leaders? He says in verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? What's that mean? It means that there's people who believe in the wrath of God and they're scared of it, but they don't change. They remain snakes, fleeing from the wrath of God. What do snakes prefer? Snakes prefer to trust that their parents are people of God and so they're naturally a person of God. Snakes prefer to trust in a quick profession of, yes, I'm sorry, God, and then go back to their life of sin, of spreading their venom about amongst the people that they mix with. So how does true repentance with fruit that protects us from the axemen and the fire, how does that come about? How can we have that true repentance? It's not enough to flee from the wrath of God. It's not enough to be scared of the axemen. How do we find safety? Well, it's in Christ Jesus. Why? Why is it only in Christ Jesus? Because it's only in Christ that we can produce fruit in keeping with repentance. How? How does Jesus give us fruit in keeping with repentance? Well, by repentance, Jesus cuts away all our bad fruit. All the times that we've sinned against God, he cuts it away and deals with it, destroys it, burns it. How? At the cross. At the cross. That's what Jesus did when he died at the cross. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. What was happening at the cross? Jesus was cut down by the axe man. And then he was burned by hellfire at the cross. The wrath of God was poured out upon him for the sins of those who truly repent. And so their sin was destroyed that day at the cross. How else does Christ produce fruit in us in keeping with repentance? Well, as we repent of our sins, 
Christ actually imputes, gives his good fruit to us. And so we're actually seen to be a tree that's bearing good fruit, that God looks upon us and smiles on us because he sees the the work of Christ, all the good things that he did on earth, has been put to our account. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are righteous before God. We are a good tree before God because when God looks at us as we have repented of our sins, he sees Christ's righteousness. And how else does Christ produce fruit in us by keeping with repent- in keeping with repentance? Well, it's by repentance that he then gives us good fruit and produces fruit within our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us by the Lord Jesus Christ sending the Holy Spirit to us and produces fruit in us. And so Jesus is the answer to our fear of the axeman and the fire. It's not enough to flee from them. You've got to flee to Christ. Because once you're in Christ, once you're grafted into him as your root by repentance, then you will produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And you will have produced fruit by the righteousness of Christ being put to you. And Jesus actually teaches this in John chapter 15. Turn with me to page 1068 if you have a church Bible. John chapter 15, where the Lord Jesus uses this wonderful illustration of the vine and the branches. John chapter 15, verse 4. Page 1068, where we read the Lord Jesus speaking, and he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, you cannot produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Essentially the same teaching that we're getting from John the Baptist. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance is what's required. And the only way to get it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's our problem? Our problem is that without Christ, we're dead in our sins. And that includes our root. Completely dead. Whatever root we have, whether it's rooted in the people that, of God that we're in some way connected to, whether it's family, grandparents, neighbours, part of this Christian nation, that's a dead root. It will not produce fruit in you. Or a quick profession of faith, if that is your, your, your root, if a quick profession of repentance is your root, that will not produce fruit either. They're dead roots. Bad trees can sprout from good trees. Just because you're connected to a person of God does not mean that you're automatically a good tree. And a quick profession of faith is a pathetic dead root. It's like a tree with a tiny dangly little root that won't support a tree at all. The only root that can make us a tree that produces good fruit 
is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only in him that we can be safe from the axeman and the fire. So if you fear God's wrath and want to be saved, go to Christ. Be grafted into him by repentance. Don't be a snake that flees the fire. Repent and be grafted into Christ for safety from the axeman and the fire. And then once you repent and trust in Christ Jesus, you will produce fruit. You won't be able to help it. It will come naturally because you've got a new nature in you. And it's Christ's nature and the Holy Spirit working in you. That is how you produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's by going to Christ and truly saying you are sorry to him and asking for his forgiveness and his mercy to be displayed to you through the cross. So don't delay. The axe is already at the root of the tree. We're all marked trees because of our sin. Let us all examine ourselves, including those in the room who are religious. All of us, even religious leaders like myself, we should be examining our lives regularly. Is there fruit in keeping with repentance in my life? Or is it possible I'm just a hypocrite? professing repentance and not producing fruit. We're in a very gracious period. We're in a very gracious period this time. God is kindly giving all trees time to truly repent before the axe and the fire. There's another illustration given in Luke's Gospel. Turn with me. It'll be the last passage we look to. We've jumped around a lot in the New Testament today. 1033, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, and I'll read from verse 6, where the Lord Jesus tells this parable. Page 1033, Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Then he, that is Jesus, told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any, cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. We're in a period of grace. We all deserve to be cut down today. We all deserve to die today and face our maker. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And it may be that someone's interceding on your behalf. Lord, spare the tree just a bit longer. I will fertilise it. I will help this person to know you. Is that you? If you look at your life now and see no fruit in keeping with repentance, it is you. There's a big X spray painted upon you. And it could be today that you meet your maker. Don't delay God will be glorified by all of us, by all of us. How? Either as objects of his wrath, displaying his justice, his righteousness, using us as firewood for eternity, or God will be glorified by us as objects of his mercy, granted repentance by the Spirit, rejoicing in the safety that we have in Christ Jesus now and always from the axeman, and from the fire that we deserve. Which will it be for you? Is an X still spray-painted on you for your fruitlessness? Or are you a snake that is fleeing from the wrath to come? You are afraid of hell. You are afraid of the judge. 
but you'd much rather trust in your parents' faith or trust in a quick, I'm sorry, God? Or are you a joyously fruitful tree with Jesus as your root? And you don't fear the axe man. And you don't fear the fire. And you rejoice in the fruit that you see being displayed in your life day by day. A love for God and a love for neighbour that you know it can't be from you. It's from God and his grace in your life. And it delights you to see love displayed. Which are you? Are you that tree with the axe? Are you a snake fleeing from the wrath? Or are you a fruitful tree? Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with Heavenly Father, we praise you as a righteous God who punishes those who produce bad fruit. But we also praise you as a merciful God who punished your Son so that those who repent would be forgiven and live eternally. O Lord, we ask that you would help us all to examine ourselves to see if we have fruit in keeping with repentance. And if we do not, Lord, help us to truly repent and trust in Christ Jesus now so we are grafted into him and are safe from the axe man and the fire, and begin to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And we pray this in his name. Amen.